You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Take your Bible, if you will. Find the Gospel of John. We are continuing our wonderful journey through the Gospel of John, John chapter 9, specifically here in verse 8. As you're turning there, I do want to remind you and uh, possibly introduce to you, for those that may not be aware of it, that the first Saturday of every month, we have what we call a a men's group called the Shepherding Group. Uh, It is a group that uh, I lead as one of the pastors here, and uh, it is uh, the idea is the shepherding group is uh, the pastors with their flock, uh, so to speak. It is teaching, but it's more than anything uh, fellowship uh, and discussion and uh, just kind of getting down to the, the nuts and bolts, the nitty and the gritty of just really living out the Christian life. We have so many aspects of worship and teaching. We have our corporate worship and our, our Sunday school and different discipleship opportunities uh, But this is something that I really look forward to every month. It is the first Saturday of every month. And it just gives me an opportunity to really be in a a real close relationship with the men of the church and looking at the biblical truths in God's word and then applying those truths into our lives. So that is this coming up Saturday. We meet 8 o'clock in the morning till 9.30. We figure we get our uh, first thing on a Saturday morning. That gives us plenty of time to finish our honey-do list of the day. And uh, we've been meeting in Adult 5, but until further notice, we'll be meeting in the fellowship hall. So that's Saturday morning, 8 o'clock till 9.30 in our fellowship hall. Uh, this week, we're going to be looking at uh, godliness, disciplines of a godly man, and we're looking at the idea of fatherhood. And so wherever you are in your season of life in regards to children or grandchildren or great-greats, uh, I want you to come and be part of that. We're going to be looking biblically at what it means to be a father But one of the greatest uh, aspects of this group is discussing what Scripture teaches and how we can bring our life experiences in the Word of God into being a godly father and a grandfather or a great-grandfather or a great-great. So I want to encourage you as men to be there. It is for everyone that is part of the church, but also it's a great opportunity to expose someone to the truth of the gospel uh, that may not be actively involved in their church. So it's the first Saturday of every month. John chapter 9. We are looking and and finishing up, well, we're we're halfway there, I should say. We're part two of this idea that I have seen the light. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus tells us that I am the light of the world. We begin to understand this idea of what light does and the truth of the gospel of light. Uh, This message rings true to all of our hearts as a believer, uh, but... In my own life, I was able to visit one of the, the uh, ladies that had a tremendous part. You know, a lot of us can say we have 
you know, we have one mother, but we have ladies and men. It was like a mother, like a father, like a this, like a that. Uh, well, Miss Faye McIntosh is like a mother to me. She literally opened up her home to me and allowed me to live in her home. And uh, it was not when I was walking very close to the Lord and she opened up my home. I really didn't have anywhere else to go. And so I moved in with her and she says, you know, she, she calls me John. She said, John, it thrills me to death to know that you're a preacher now. She said, when, when you were living here, I didn't ever think you'd ever even get through the 80s, much less be a preacher, because she was a godly lady and prayed for me, and uh, her son Frankie and I were best friends growing up. And so uh, in, in preparation for this sermon this week, and I spent some time with her in Georgia. I always like to visit with her while I'm in Georgia. Uh, she kind of reiterated in a, in a roundabout way, I am so glad that you saw the light. Well, amazing what happens when you see the light your life changes it doesn't matter what you say it doesn't matter what you say you believe it doesn't matter what you say you acknowledge when you see the light your life changes and it is obvious to everyone that your life is different not perfect but different and so we see here in John's gospel, Jesus in, in preaching and, and he encounters a blind beggar. And we looked at that last week that he, he gives sight to a blind beggar. And this week we're going to look at a passage of scripture where we see an ongoing dialogue between people and this beggar and his family and religious leaders. And it all hinges around seeing the light. Who is the giver of life? What is truth? What is untruth? What is true faith? What is false faith? Everything is packed into this neat little section in God's Word here this morning. So, let's take our Bible, follow along as I read. John chapter 9, beginning there in verse 8. John 9, verse 8. The neighbors and those that had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and to beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. But yet he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to them, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. Then he said to him, then they said to him in verse 12, well, where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. So you see what's happening. Everyone is questioning him. What happened to you? Who did this? So they asked him, how did you receive your sight? And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Notice his story never changes. It's just the same thing over and over and over. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others says, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. And so within the Pharisees in verse 16, we begin to see they are kind of split. Some saying this man cannot be of God, and they're questioning, well, maybe he is of God. Verse 17, so they again said to the blind men, blind man, what do you say about him 
since he opened your eyes. And then he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. And so they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? So the Pharisees had questioned the man. They didn't believe the man was who he said he was. So they bring his parents in to bring some truth and validity to his claims. So they asked him, how, do you now, how does he now see? Verse 20, his parents answered, we, do not know that this is, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I love this, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. But one thing I do know, that I was blind, and now I see. Isn't that a tremendous testimony? I think they wrote a song about that, didn't they? They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You also want to be- do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are the disciple of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Listen to verse 30. Watch, read very carefully verse 30 and see what's going on. The man answered, Why is this an amazing thing? Do you not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know... That God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, and you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the faith of this man to stand on biblical truth and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Lord God, we also thank you this morning for the gospel of Jesus Christ that opens the eyes of the blind man and woman and boy and girl that is living in utter spiritual darkness. We thank you, Jesus, for your touch though once blind that we may now see and Lord take this word this morning open up the eyes that need to be opened open up the hearts that need to be opened and encourage us all in the goodness of the gospel and this we pray and ask in Christ's name Amen What I'd like to do is to walk through this text in kind of a a running commentary. 
there's a lot of things going on and time does not permit us to take all the time necessary but there's there's a couple of things going on two big things i see going on one we have jesus in question the the gospel is in question belief and unbelief but we also can see the results of, of what it means to embrace that belief we also see the man and how one lives their life once their eyes have been opened. And so there, there are two major themes that are running through this. So what I'd like to do is a, a running commentary kind of pointing to Christ as the true gospel and, and the attack against him. And then close with some what nows. And taking the life of that beggar and applying those truths to our life. So that we too may be as faithful as he was. Look at verses 8 through 12. And what we see here is this repeated questioning of what has happened to you? Who did this? Where is he now? So first we see this dialogue with what we could say the neighbors. And what we're seeing here is what is in question is this sight. And so, you know, the, the, here's what's happening. It's, it's someone they would have known it. I guess it would kind of be like anytime I, I go home to Georgia, I, I kind of bump into somebody I hadn't seen in a while. And I don't know about you all, but I have changed since my high school days. Y'all chuckle because you get it. We're not who we were. We don't look the way we once looked. Some of us are, are more mature looking. We'll leave it at that. But this man would have been sitting by the, outside the temple begging. And so there's some significance to this man we need to consider. One, he's outside the temple. Now, I don't want to read too much into it, but I think there's some great spiritual truth there. The temple represented the presence of God. And so from a physical standpoint, he was blind, but from a, a spiritual standpoint, he is, he is outside the temple. He, he is not allowed to get into the presence of God, even in the temple of the Gentiles, because he was born blind, and in their culture, he was a sinner. So physically and spiritually, he is outside the presence of God in his blindness. Secondly, we can see there, though, he was blind from birth. And there's a spiritual and a, and a physical thing that's going on. He was blind from birth, but we also know from Genesis chapter 3 on, we are all born separated from God. That is why Jesus came, that we are born separated from God. That's why we're all in need of a Savior. And then we see this blind man literally dependent upon everything for his existence from others. He is incapable of doing anything on his own. He, he is totally dependent on receiving from someone else. Think about that spiritually. Just blind and destitute and helpless and hopeless until who shows up? Jesus. Until the light of the gospel impacts his life, he is totally void of any meaning and void of any purpose and he is physically blind and he is spiritually blind and that is the exact condition of anyone apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ in our lives it doesn't matter what we think it doesn't matter what we experience it's we are lost and dead in our trespasses and sin and if we'll slow down long enough we'll realize it and we can admit it so that the man is he's blind 
But yet, we see previously in those verses from last week that he is touched. And so the, the neighbors who had seen him before as a beggar, they're, they're seeing him now. And then they said, is this not the man that used to beg and to, and to ask for everything? So what they're questioning is this, this receiving of the sight. The sight is in question. Some said it's him, some said it's not. But yet he kept saying, I am the man. Then they said to him, then who opened your eyes? And how will they open? He said, this man called Jesus, he came. So the, the sight is in question. What happened to your eyes? Now just because he uh, can see now, he's not a doctor, right? He doesn't know everything, correct? He can't explain the optic nerves and the, the inside of the eyeball and all that's going on in there. So he says, hey, we don't believe what happened to you. What happened to you? He says, I can tell you what happened. This man called Jesus came by. Now, if you go back, we don't have time, but if you go back, it, it, this is what happens. The man is sitting there blind. He, he's not like Zacchaeus up in the tree looking at Jesus. The man is just sitting there blind, and Jesus just comes by. What a great picture of grace here that Jesus just comes by and says, Hey, the disciples even pointed him out. Who, what did this man do? What sin did he do to be blind? Jesus said, This man hasn't done anything. This man was born blind so that I can do this. And he healed him. He didn't know who Jesus was. He, I don't know if he, he probably had heard it. Maybe he's heard of Jesus. I shouldn't say probably. He probably has heard the works of Jesus. He had probably heard about everything going on in the, the Feast of the Booths previously. But notice what the man said. When, when they questioned the blindness, all the man could say was, this man named Jesus made mud and he anointed my eyes. He told me to go and wash, and I washed, and I received my sight. And man said, that's all I can tell you. I'm not the man I used to be, I can tell you that. I can see now. So the neighbors were questioning his sight. Well, now we've got to bring religion into it. Everything, you know. It's funny how religion, this is a sermon within itself, isn't it funny how religion always questions Jesus? That's a good indication of whether something is right or wrong. What do they do with Jesus? You want to know if a, if a religion is true or false? What do they do with Jesus? And so they bring him to the Pharisees. The religious leaders of the day would have taken... Here's the thing we need to understand about the law. God gave us the Old Testament as a good thing. Here's the Old Testament. This Old Testament law is to show you that you cannot live this life out apart from grace and forgiveness so you've got all this law you got the moral law the judicial law the ceremonial law all this law is heaped on you to show you you cannot do this and God says I know you cannot do it that's why we have a tabernacle that's why we have a temple that's why we have a priest but all of these things are signs pointing toward Christ but the Pharisees took the old law which was a good thing, and they got involved with it. By the way, we can about mess anything up, can't we? We're good at just man can mess anything up. So here we have the law which should have pointed people to the hope of Christ, like it did Abraham, but now we have the law that man has gotten involved with and added all their little things to it and made it corrupt. And they cannot even recognize that which the law was pointing to standing right in front of them. And notice the Pharisees. We have the neighbors and now they, 
have the Pharisees. The Savior is now in question. The Savior in question, point one. Notice what they do. They begin to question. They brought the man to the Pharisees. He had been born blind. It was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him, how could you receive his sight? And the man said, I love him. <laughs> what happened to you? A man named Jesus put mud on my eyes and anointed me, and now I can see. He had to be thinking, how stupid are they? Okay, the, I, I was blind, and this man named Jesus put mud on my eyes, and now I can see. So the Pharisees, so the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, but he does not, isn't that funny? They don't hear Jesus. They don't hear anything. He did not keep the Sabbath. He broke the law. Now, let's think for a minute what the Sabbath is. The Sabbath was made for man to have rest. We know that from Scripture. In the good understanding of the law, the Sabbath was there to allow the people to have rest. And as you looked at the Sabbath day in a good way and what the law said, it was an opportunity for you to be involved with works of necessity and also works of mercy but what happened with man is they took the rules of the day and they added all this which you cannot do what you can do what you cannot do what you can do and so jesus christ heals a man on the sabbath and religion had a problem with it the sabbath came for man to rest for works of necessity and works of mercy. And so Jesus come. What, what, what greater day of, of a day of mercy than to heal a blind man on the Sabbath? I mean, that just makes sense to me. It's a day of rest for man. It is given for man for works of necessity and works of mercy. And what a great picture of the goodness and graciousness of God on a, on a day given in the Old Testament as a day of rest that Jesus Christ heals a man. On that day. Hebrews eventually tells us to enter into a rest, which is Jesus Christ Himself. So on the day of rest, the man of rest heals a man. But there's religion again. This man is not from God. You know, today the origin of Jesus Christ is often questioned. Who are you to say that Christianity is right? Yes, there is a Jesus Christ, but we know he's a historical figure. No, he is more than a historical figure. He is God. Nothing has changed. The dialogue and debating over what's Christian and what's not Christian. Look, Christianity hinges on Jesus Christ. Not believing in Jesus, but believing that Jesus is God in the flesh. And he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He created every day. He can do what he wants to when he wants to. Listen to Colossians chapter 2 verse 16. Colossians chapter 2 verse 16. Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. All of the Old Testament was pointing toward 
Christ. It's a, a substance of things to come. The Sabbath was a substance of things to come to point toward Christ. What a great day to heal. On the day that pointed toward the ultimate rest that we can only find in Jesus Christ. The Jewish Sabbath is Saturday. Somebody said, well, why don't we worship on the, on the Sabbath? Well, because that's the old law. It's the substance of things that point to Christ. It was fulfilled in Christ. Historically, the church has worshipped on the Lord's Day, being Sunday. But even then, I think we need to be careful that we designate a day as a day of worship. Because Scripture does not give us that day. There's nothing wrong with historically saying that Sunday is the Lord's day. But the Sabbath day pointed toward Christ. And Christ is now ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father. And everything through the old law has been fulfilled now in Christ. I don't have to worship on the Sabbath. I don't have to follow the law. Because Christ came as a picture and fulfilled of the law. But you can see the unbelief of the Pharisees. And I'll get to that in the very end to kind of shed some light on that. So they said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened up your eyes? And he said, and notice what's going on here. Now he says, Jesus healed me. He's a prophet. A little side note, I'll get to this in a moment. The more he talks about Jesus, the more Jesus means to him. The more we live in the light, the more we understand the light. Hey, I don't know who he is or what he is. This man named Jesus put mud on my eyes. 30 minutes later, that man is a prophet. When you live a life of faith, your faith becomes bigger to you. He said, listen, I don't know about the Sabbath. I don't know about all the law. I don't know about all that. All I can tell you is a man from God healed me. He is a prophet. He just keeps saying the same thing. Now the, the Pharisees bring in the parents. So now we have, at first the sight was in question, then the Savior part one was in question. Now we have the, the supernatural. I make them all S's. Now we have the supernatural in question. They bring the parents in. It's okay, this isn't you. Huddle up, time out. This man could not have been blind. There's no way that this Jesus man healed him. So now, let's just uh, let's attack the gospel in this way. Let's just say it's not supernatural. He could not have been born blind. So they called the parents. The Jews did not believe he'd been born blind and received his sight until they called the parents. I love the parents. They're scared to death as well. Yes, that's our son. Yes, he was born blind. I don't know who did it. We don't know what happened. Ask him. He's of age. Scaredy cats. What a great time to testify about what's going on in your household. Was he born blind? Yes. Blind from birth. What they're trying to do is to say that Jesus does not have the ability to do the supernatural. You know what the world says today? Denies the supernatural. Have you ever thought about that? 
There are many paths to God. You just believe in what you want to believe in and you do what you do in the best way you can do and at the end of the day, everything just works out. Well, that sounds great. There's not a whole lot of supernatural in that. Supernatural is this. I was blind and I was dead in my trespasses and sin and there was nothing within me that really gave me hope and peace and joy and meaning and one day Jesus Christ and I was anointed with the Holy Spirit and my eyes were opened up and I confessed my sin to God and my sins were forgiven and I was able to see in a way that I had never seen before and I was given new life and I can't explain it but all I know is I'm not going to hell when I die I'm going to heaven and I've got a new life every day this side of heaven that is supernatural that's just supernatural that one person can do that and that one person is Jesus Christ that came as God in the flesh and God con- was Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit and that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin conceived by God in the Holy Spirit lived a sinless life this side of heaven died on a cross for our sin, rose again on the third day, and now is ascended at the right hand of the Father, is one day going to come again and judge all sin and restore all things to himself. That is supernatural. You can't explain that. The world is questioning the supernatural. Saving faith is supernatural we don't live like it's supernatural we live like it's just any other event that's taking place so the supernatural is in question so the parents are dismissed verse 24 through 34 the savior is questioned part two we begin to see now as deities in question I just love the Pharisees. The Pharisees would make a great primetime news channel show, wouldn't it? Pharisees, first thing Sunday morning. Well, we've talked to the parents. That didn't work. So we're going to bring this guy back in. And notice, don't miss this. Verse 24. So the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. And Here's your chance. Give glory to God. Be truthful. We know this man is a sinner. For y'all that watch those cop shows, when they get the guy in the little room and they question him before the lawyer gets there and they try to trick him. Well, we got the guy in the next room. And that guy in the next room is spilling his guts about what all y'all did. So the first one that talks, they get least punishment. Boy, they'll start spouting off everything, don't they? I don't watch cop shows. I'm usually praying and reading my Bible, but they say they're pretty good. (laughs) That guy, boy, you know, well, that's not fair. Well, whatever. Okay, 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 okay. That's what they're doing right here. Hey, we've already talked to your parents, and we know that Jesus is a sinner. They're giving him a way out. Hey, tell the truth. Give God the glory. We know that he's a sinner. I bet they were going, you go get him. I got him. Here we go. He doesn't know that we don't know anything, but he doesn't know that. Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. Verse 25. I love this. 
Circle this, highlight it, star it. Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. But what I do know is I was blind and now I see. That's that guy that's just gotten saved and shows up at discipleship training and doesn't know where the book of Corinthians is. Doesn't understand what superlapsarianism means. Doesn't know what all the isms stand for. Hasn't really thought about a pre-trib, post-trib, mo-trib, mid-trib, rapture yet. And somebody asked him to explain what does he think about this, that, and the other. <laughs> hey, I'm new to this. All I know is yesterday I was lost and now I'm found and I couldn't have more excitement about all I have because I just met Jesus Christ. All that other stuff, I'll get to later. But all I know right now, whether all this is going on or not, I'll let y'all worry about the Sabbath rule. I'll let you worry about historically where he's from or what he has done. But I do know this, he is a prophet and he touched me and I now see. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Apologetics one-on-one. What has Jesus Christ done for you? They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open up your eyes? Verse 27, he went, okay, here we go again. I've told you, this is, when, this is back in the day when my children were little. This is where you do something like this. Look at me. I am going to tell you one more time. I remember growing up, you know, back in the day we had big phones. You remember that big phones back in the day? If I did not remember it like yesterday. When this is up to my ear, I can't dialogue in conversation. Okay? I've already told you before, and you won't listen. Why do, you, why do you want to hear it again? You want to be one of his followers too? Boy, that got him, didn't it? Oh, you want to join the party? You want to join the crowd? The man answered. Now, this is what I want to allude to earlier when I said this. Notice what's taking place here. The more he shares Christ, the more he contemplates his relationship with Christ, the more he considers what has taken place. He is a man, I don't know where he is. Now he's a man that anointed me. Now he's a man that is a prophet. Now look at this man teaching them about what the law says about a sinner having miraculous powers. He's teaching them what they ought to know. The man answered, why is this an amazing thing? You do not, you do not know where he comes from, but yet he opened up my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. You know that. The prophets, if they were a false prophet, then what they said to happen would not happen because that way God would solidify they are a real prophet because what they say happens. And you know, Pharisees, God does not bless a sinner and there's been nowhere written in history that a man born blind has received his sight. So we know that this man was not of the devil. This man had to be of God because this miraculous thing took place. Crickets are chirping at this point. Dead silence. And then you hear, how dare you teach us? 
Sometimes the youngest in the faith need to teach us, don't they? How dare you teach us? You were born in utter sin. And they cast him out. Next week we'll look at Jesus' encounter to them. For the next few minutes I want us to real quickly. What now? Looking at this man. What can we learn as we consider this man and what Jesus has done? There's four things I want us to consider. Number one, what Jesus has done, circle that word, what Jesus has done for us should be the most precious aspect of our faith and motivate us to live daily for him. What Jesus has done. Done. He was more concerned about what Jesus did for him than everything else. One thing I know... I was blind, but now I see. Not just who he is or what we did or something that took place in the past. This is where I'm going with that. He was more concerned about what Jesus had done than even who Jesus really was. Flash forward hundreds of years to modern day church. Walk out on the street and start doing a poll to people. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Are you a Christian? Yes. Why? I was baptized. I joined a church. I prayed a prayer. I did these things. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven when I die. And and they smile giving the answer. What about this for an answer? This was what the blind man would say. Are you a Christian? Yes. Yes. Because my sins have been forgiven and my eyes have been opened up. I don't know a whole lot about him, but all I do know now is my life revolves around him. And if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I'd be nothing. That's a pretty good answer right there. You know one of the dangers that we have as as pastors? We study about who Jesus is and we teach who Jesus is and we talk about historically who Jesus is. One of the dangers I think in ministry as a pastor, I forget what he has done. I'm forgiven. My sins have been forgiven and I'm not blind and I can see and everything that I'm doing now is because of him and what he has done. He saved me. He is my Savior and He is my Lord. I think about Thanksgiving and the joy of being with family at Thanksgiving. Think of the joy of what Jesus Christ has done in our life every day. When's the last time you were excited about what Jesus has done rather than just who He is? See, in America, we can just get a picture of Jesus and put him on the wall or buy some trinket and put it on the shelf and, and do something. That's who Jesus is. No, yes, Jesus is alive and well, but what has He done? The man understood what he has done. Our faith should be based and motivated on the idea that Jesus Christ has forgiven our sin, opened our eyes, empowered us for living, which is our basis of righteousness. And in him is the source of all things that are holy and right. What he has done. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. 
Yes, you are a person, and yes, Jesus is a person, and yes, there are things that I have done, but listen, I don't want to be thankful for anything. I joined a church. I was baptized. I walked an aisle. I prayed this. I did that. I believe in Jesus. Listen, if your life has not radically changed and you're no different than a lost person, you don't know what Jesus has done for you. The man was more excited about what Jesus had done than anything else. Number two, an unconverted heart will never accept the supernatural works of God. Can I tell you how many times I reminded myself of this biblical truth all week? Why do I say I keep reminding myself of that? Because I, I still think I'm the Holy Spirit and that I can change people's hearts. Arguing over things, trying to convince people. You will never convince an unconverted heart about the supernatural work of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ can do that when they meet Jesus Christ. I get so frustrated with people. I think some ungodly things as your pastor. Do you know that? For some reason, I'm going to be real transparent here. For some reason, my thing is I want to punch people in the throat. Isn't that terrible? You, you, you just lost us. Oh my goodness, I'll never be able to look at him as the, my shepherd. I get so fresh, just a punch to the throat. If you have been punched in the throat, it really hurts. And the whole time I need to be reminded, listen, I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Holy Spirit. All I can do is live a changed life in front of people. The unconverted lostness of this world will never accept. I mean, the world doesn't even accept why we go to church. Have you ever talked to people? Well, why do you go to church every day? You don't have to go to church every week. They won't accept that stuff. Have you ever tried to talk to someone that's not a believer why you give regularly and systematically and joyfully? Why we biblically tithe? Could you imagine that conversation with a co-worker? Well, you don't have to give all your... What is 10% of net, 10% of gross? What do you mean? My neighbors, and when I lived in, in Minnesota, it's not a knock on Minnesota, but my, my neighbor in Minnesota could not understand that I didn't drink. Now, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm a teetotaler for many reasons, but I was, I, I, so I didn't drink. He could understand that. What do you mean you don't drink? So I didn't say, well, the Bible says you can't drink because the Bible does it. So I'd always go into it, well, you know, alcoholism runs in my family. I don't want to be a stumbling block. Alcohol this and alcohol that. Because he's wanting to, like, grill out in the front yard with, with hamburgers and Bud Light. Well, I better not. Well, why don't you want to drink? And it's like, you know, I'm not saying he's lost because he drank Bud Light. But he's never going to understand that. He's never going to understand why I would want to do anything that would not tear down the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're just never going to get it. So you just finally have to get to a point that, you know, well, I just don't, you know, I just, you know, I just, I just don't. I'm, I'm a, as a Christian, I don't. I try to explain it. They're never going to get it. The world is never going to understand the supernatural. But the only thing that opens up their mind to the supernatural is not my reasoning and my arguing, but the gospel and my witness. That's something to think about. Facebook ranting over politics and things, that's real productive. 
I mean, you can let your yes be yes, your no be no, and stand for truth. But, you know, I have, a, I have a great opinion about a lot of things. But I want them to see my opinion is based on Christ and the gospel, not anything else. Number three, the enemy will and always will attack the truth of God's word. What, what is at stake with going on in this? The Pharisees are attacking what? The truth. Where are you from? What did you do? By what authority can you do that? Who sent you? The world says, you mean to tell me you believe that this is the absolute word of God from cover to cover and there's no error in it? Yes. So you believe what you believe because it's written in there? Yes. The Bible to us today is no different than the prophet Isaiah talking in the Old Testament. The Bible to us today is no different than Jesus Christ walking in the New Testament. The Bible to us today is no different than Paul as an apostle sharing the word in the early church. And if we'll rejoice, if we'll stand, if we'll believe in the truth, we'll always be honoring and bringing glory to God. So we know the truth, we live the truth, we believe the truth, And we know that the world will always attack the truth of God's word. And then last, the more we live out our faith, the gospel, the sweeter our relationship with Christ becomes. What do you think about that? Hey, I'm just sitting here blind, and I don't even know who the person was. I heard somebody come by, and next thing I know, I feel this stuff in my eyes, and this voice says, hey, you need to go and wash. I'm going to go and wash. I received my sight. He was a man. His name was Jesus. Then this man, Jesus, became the prophet. I understood what he had done for me. I began to, now what happens when we're saved? What, what abides within us? The Holy Spirit. I came up with a term this week, progressive light living. The more we live in the light, the more we understand the light, the more we see what the light is doing, the more we see the source of the light, the more we can appreciate the light. The more we live in the light, the more we see what the light casts its light upon. I've often used this in an example. Some of us today have a theology of about first grade Sunday school. What is God doing to you? David killed Goliath. Okay, that's good, but that story isn't about conquering all your giants, by the way. Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and was spit on the ground. Okay, you're 90 years old. Let's move on from flannel art. The more we live in the faith of the gospel, the more we love the word, the more we trust the spirit, the more we live in faith, the more God shows himself who he is. In this short passage, this beggar had a big God. You know what I tell people about my theology? I'm not into the isms and all this and the flowers and all this, that, and the other. But I will say this. My God's not this big. Somebody says, well, what is your theology about? A large God. A big God. That created everything. Think about it this way. This is what the world. This is what the world's saying here. This is good. They question who he was, the supernatural. Notice his faith. 
the world questions creation. Well, I, and I, I'm bad about watching the History Channel. Not bad in a bad way, but bad in a bad way. For those that are new to us, I do that all the time. We have found a rock from somewhere that's been carbon dated 48 trillion years ago. But I can read that and go, not true. The world was biblical creation. God created something out of what? This is good. A blind man. Spiritually, we are created. God creates something out of what? That hit me for the first time this week. In the same way God created the earth, something out of nothing, He created something out of nothing. Isn't that good? That's a big God, by the way. The more this man lived a faithful life, understanding the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding the Word and what was at His exposal, God became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what we need to be, people that serve a big God. That we live a life, but this man lived it. When we, he gets to heaven, I want to meet him. We don't know anything else about it, but I, I guarantee you, I'm, you know, I'm not a prophet, I'm just John the Baptist. I bet he's going to have a great testimony in heaven. And I bet at the end of that, you want to talk about a big God? I bet he had a big God. And everywhere he went, he just the glory of God shone upon him. The glory of God, and he just bigger. Some of us need to realize that whatever has happened in our Christian life, we have stopped living in the light of the gospel. And we are living our way in such a way that God is just no different than anything else in our world today. God is a big God. Tonight we're going to come back, and we looked at complacency a few weeks ago on Sunday Night Discipleship. Tonight, we're going to look at Christian zeal, an old Puritan doctrine about just being excited for the Lord. You know, some of us are just not excited about the Lord because we haven't really seen the works of the Lord in so long, whether we're 20 or 100 or somewhere in between. We're just not living in the, in the experience, in the daily grace of God in our life. And it's just like some of us, we could stand up and do a preacher story. I always say this about myself. I don't want to have a preacher story that's 20 years old. I want a preacher story that's a day old. I don't want to tell some story about my prayer life and how God touched me in faith and something I did 20 years ago. I want to stand every day and say, this is what God is doing in my life today. And as I live in the light, the light exposes more about who God is and who I am. And it just drives me to more think things to thank Him for. When's the last time you had something you could just stand up and say, one thing I do know. I once was blind and now I see. I think every day this man got out of bed and probably said, Lord, shine on us. Shine the goodness of your light on us. In the midst of so many things taking place, we have a testimony of faith of a man touched by the Savior. Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, we thank